I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Amen. I love it when he sings. Today the uh, title of my message is Integrity for the New Year. That's uh, kind of the teaching plan of this morning. We want to think about that and pray about that together. 1 Kings 22 is the text, but I'm not going to read the whole chapter. So uh, you might want to turn there and look at it because I'm going to be kind of dipping in and out all the way through that uh, chapter. Well, let me set it up uh, this way. Willie Nelson's 33-year-old son hung himself. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, he had been in an alcohol abuse treatment center the year prior to that. When Willie heard about it, his firm belief in reincarnation made it a lot easier, he said, to take. Perhaps Willie has never read Hebrews 9.27, which says, It is appointed unto man once, once, to die, and after that, the judgment. We don't die a thousand times. We die once. We don't come back as an elephant or an eel. Uh, Willie Nelson's son, Billy, is gone forever. 
Now his life will be judged by our Lord. In much the same way, 2014 is almost history. We have a couple days left, but not many. It's pretty much gone. Uh, How'd you do? Did you have a good year? How'd you do? Uh, Did you have a good year? Did you make a lot of money? Uh, Did you make some new good friends? Did you take some steps toward Jesus? Did you do that in 2014? I want uh, to start this message today with a little pop quiz. You won't be graded on this pop quiz. I want to give you five names, and you kind of uh, think about them as I mention them. First name is Noah. What, what do you know about uh, Noah? Well, you say, preacher, I know about the ark. He built this great big ship, and he put in uh, two of every kind of animal that was around on the earth at that time. And uh, there was a big flood. I know that. And he got his family out of the storm, and they were saved. And God kind of cleaned up things. There was a lot of paganism going on, and the Lord basically cleaned it up. And uh, here was Noah and his family uh, that were left. Well, all of you uh, know some things about Noah. Number two is Moses. What comes to mind when you hear his name? Of course, the Ten Commandments. That was the big thing. We base our legal system even today on the Ten Commandments. Uh, That's a, a very, very important thing in the history of mankind. The burning bush, you remember that. The deliverance from uh, Egypt, do you remember that? The children of God came out, moved toward uh, the promised land. Uh, That was important. You remember the miracle crossing of the Red Sea? You remember that? All of us know something about uh, Moses. Third name is David. What comes to mind when you think about him? Well, he took a sling, you remember that? And he got that thing going, and all of a sudden he let one end go. And that rock uh, went up and hit Goliath right in the forehead, killed him. He fell down. He was dead. That was a big, big deal. Uh, God's people were victorious over them. Uh, God led in all that. David wrote the book of Psalms. You remember that. Those are really a comfort to us and a help to us. You know, he had an affair with Bathsheba. Everybody remembers David and Bathsheba. Well, you know who David is. The fourth name is Samson. He was the strongest guy that ever uh, lived. He uh, had kind of a uh, covenant, I guess, with the Lord. And a part of the thing was that he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. And he let it get out that uh, his strength was, uh, had a lot to do with his hair. And so the villains came in and cut off his hair and he lost his strength. And they poked out his eyes, and they took him to prison. And they were going to make fun of him uh, for years to come because he had been such a nuisance uh, to those people. Well, uh, Samson was kind of forgotten in prison, and guess what? His hair grew. And uh, they called him out, and they were going to make fun of him at a big banquet. And Samson said, Would you mind taking me over to the big pillars in the center of this place? I want to kind of lean against him and rest. And the guy that was leading him around said, okay. So he took him over there. And Samson, by this time, had long hair and had a lot of strength. 
And he asked God to give him an extra amount of strength. And God did. And he pushed those pillars down. And thousands of those people, those pagan people, were killed. And God had the victory of the day. Well, that's uh, you're probably four for four. You know all them and about them. Uh, you've got at least 80 on this thing. Uh, now let me mention the last name. The last name is Micaiah. Uh, we hear about him in 1 Kings 22, our text for today. Now unless you're sort of a biblical scholar, you don't know anything about Micaiah. I bet some of you do. I know Dr. Laidlaw did because he talked about him one Wednesday night in church about a year ago, I think. Um, Micaiah demonstrated a quality that is essential for every age, for every generation, if it's going to do well. And that quality is integrity. This morning, that's really what I want to talk about is integrity. The four guys that I mentioned, they had a measure of integrity, but uh, Micaiah's whole life was built around integrity, important thing. In 2015, integrity will be needed because reincarnation is not true. It doesn't happen. There is nobody named Allah. I mean, if you're thinking you're going to worship him, uh, you're just talking to the air. And Buddha's a statue. Uh, you don't want to get all mixed up in that. Uh, God does judge the years of our lives. He looks at each year. He looks at each life. I, I want to tell you Micaiah's story because in this new year, we want to be thinking the way that he thought. It was very good. He, he had a lot uh, of things right in his life. And we can gain strength from his example. Well, Micaiah was the prophet of Israel during the reign of Ahab. Uh, the time was about 850 B.C. God's people were divided at that time. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Ahab was the king of Israel. Ahab was at odds with uh, uh, Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad was the bad guy. He was the king of Syria. Ben-Hadad was a constant thorn in Ahab's side. The two had battled back and forth for years and years. In the last battle, three years prior to chapter 22, uh, Ahab came out on top. And they got most of all the land back that Ben-Hadad had gotten away from them. Except for one thing, except for the city of Ramoth-Gilead. Ben-Hadad had taken that city from Ahab's father. He still had it, and Ahab wanted it back. Ahab spent months developing a plan to get it back, to recapture the city of Ramoth-Gilead. He developed his strategy. His plans were set. The only thing he needed for, was one more ingredient to make sure that his plan was a success. He needed help from Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. So Ahab sent 
Jehoshaphat an, an invitation to come to a great state dinner. And Jehoshaphat said he would come. So it came the day. And uh, while the wine flowed freely for the evening, Ahab and Jehoshaphat were caught up in a deep, deep conversation. Uh, At just the right moment, Ahab had all this planned out, he said, Jehoshaphat, you are such a powerful king. Uh, You're such a mighty military leader. I've always admired your bravery, your military skill, uh, your character. Let me ask your advice on something. How in the world could we take back Ramoth Gilead? Well, Jehoshaphat, after all these compliments, you know, he's thinking, that was nice. Um, And he starts uh, telling Ahab, you know, I, I think this might help to get it back, and that might help. And he said, you know, I've thought about this a little bit, and, and this might help, that might help. And he laid out a strategy. Ahab jumped up when he was through and said, that is fantastic. That is just the plan that I'm going to use. I think that is terrific. Um, so Ahab let that sink in for a few minutes into Jehoshaphat's uh, brain. Then he said, you know, I only have one problem. I don't have enough soldiers to win that war. I need you and your men to help. Will you help me? I can't do it without you. But your men, your military genius, and with great courage that you have, I know we can do it. Well, Jehoshaphat said, okay, okay, uh, I'll do it on one condition. I, I want to go into battle with the blessings of Yahweh, our God. I want his anointing on everything that we're going to be doing. Uh, bring in your prophets and let's see if they have a word from the Lord about this. Well, talk about prophets. In just a few hours, the place was full of prophets. There were hundreds of them, all of Ahab's prophets, 400. They were there. The king gathered them all around and said, Do you have a word from the Lord about our proposed venture against against Ben-Hadad? What do you think? Uh, They said, well, guess what? Ahab had paid all these people. They were his prophets. He told them what to say. Uh, Ahab owned them. So naturally, they responded with the carefully uh, planned uh, response that Ahab had given to them. Go, they cried out in one accord, for Yahweh will deliver your enemy into your hand. Well, it was an impressive performance. But Jehoshaphat was not completely uh, committed to it. He said uh, to Ahab, are there any other prophets around here? Any other prophets in your country? Ahab said, well, I wish you hadn't said that. There is one more. Uh, His name is Micaiah. And uh, he is uh, a real problem. He's always pessimistic. Everything he ever says is bad. I don't like him at all. Jehoshaphat said, well, get him to come. I want to hear what he has to say. 
Ahab's messenger went out and found Micaiah, escorted him back to the palace. On the way, he explained to Micaiah what had happened. He he said, now I want to give you some advice. He said, this is what Ahab wants you to say. And if you don't say it, he's probably going to have you killed. So you need to say it. You need to say this war is the best plan you could possibly have. He said, now you've got to do that. If you don't do it, you are a fool. You're a fool if you don't do that. Well, those were the last spoken words to Micaiah before he went into the great banquet hall. And there uh, were Ahab and Jehoshaphat sitting at the end of two long tables. There were dignitaries all along the table. And there were these 400 prophets all around the room. Ahab quickly explained the covenant which they had forged between him and Jehoshaphat. And he reminded Micaiah uh, of the prophecy that the 400 prophets had given. And then, in a very simple sentence, with much written between the lines. He said, tell us, Micaiah, what does God say to you? Well, what would Micaiah say? This was a, you know, kind of one of those real still moments when something important was going to be said. In that instant, a lot of thoughts flashed through his mind. He thought, I'm sure, well, I know what he wants to hear. Maybe I ought to tell him what he wants to hear. This isn't any business of mine. I'm not involved in this. Uh, Maybe I ought to just go along with the crowd. Uh, Other part of him said, you know, if you tell the truth, Ahab's going to kill you. And then where would you be? You know, if you tell him what he wants, maybe he'll quit harassing you. Well, while all of those thoughts were going through his mind, guess what happened? The Lord gave him a word about this whole situation. Verse 17, uh, Micaiah says, Yahweh has given me a vision, a vision of sheep without a shepherd, a picture of Israel without a leader. Go to face Ben-Hadad, Ahab, and that prophecy will be fulfilled. You will not come back alive. From that battle. Well, immediately Ahab jumped up and called some soldiers and said, Take him to the prison. That was the first thing that happened in the first second. Well, the next thing Micaiah knew, he was being drugged down the steps, way down to the uh, prison. Why did Micaiah do that? Well, he, he didn't uh, go along with the crowd. That would have been easy. He didn't uh, take it easy. That would have been uh, a good choice for him, it seemed like. But I'll tell you what he did. He told the truth because he was a man of integrity. Integrity. He was convinced that integrity was more important than popularity or position or integrity or liberty or life itself. It was more important than all those things. Incidentally, Ahab did go on and fight the battle, and guess what? He got killed. He died in the battle, just like Micaiah had said. We need to learn that lesson today. 
We're living in a day with an identity crisis. There's not a lot of integrity in the land. We see it on every hand. Uh, In government, it seems like there's a scandal every other month. Have you noticed that? For a year or two now, we've had scandal after scandal after scandal. In athletics, school after school has been put on probation for unethical recruiting. In religion, you remember Jimmy Swaggart preaching about uh, immorality? At the same time, he was involved in immorality. And a lot of that is still going on in our world today. We are living in the midst of an integrity crisis. If we are to survive and thrive as a nation, we're going to have to return to the pattern of Micaiah. We're going to have to realize again the centrality of integrity in our lives. So what is integrity? Micaiah teaches there are two lessons about integrity. First, integrity means standing up for what is right instead of what is convenient. You know, we have to make those kind of choices all the time in life. And every time he stood up, he stood up with integrity. A Sunday school teacher asked uh, her students one Sunday morning, said, uh, I want you all to tell me, what is a lie? A lie. What's a lie? And the kids thought about it for a minute, and one boy raised his hand, and he said, a lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in times of trouble. (laughs) He got a little off on that. Sometimes it is more convenient to bend the truth than to tell the truth. Often telling a lie is a present help in time of trouble. It would have been much more convenient for Micaiah to tell a lie, but he didn't. Integrity means standing up for what is right rather than what is convenient. And Micaiah told the truth. Henry Clay was a well-known American statesman. He was close to being president twice. Uh, He was never elected. Uh, On one occasion, he had a big issue that came up that he had to vote on, and he thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and he said, this is my decision. This is how I'm going to vote. I think this is right. And one of his closest friends came up to him and said, Henry, if you vote that way, you are never going to be the president of the United States. And Henry said, I would rather be right than be president. Well, that's integrity. Standing up for what is right rather than what is convenient. Secondly, integrity means being true to your commitments. A minister and a young actress just happened to be sitting beside each other at a large dinner party one night. As they talked, the conversation changed around to a number of topics, and finally they were talking about the changing morals of our day. And the minister said to the young actress, let me ask you a question if you don't mind. She said, no, I don't mind. Ask me anything you want to. And he said, would you live with a man if he offered you a million dollars? 
And the actress uh, responded, of course I would. Uh, a girl would be a fool not to do that. The minister continued, well, would you live with the same man for $5? And uh, she said, of course not, she answered indignantly. What kind of a woman do you think I am? You know the next line. The minister said, we've already established what kind of a woman you are. We're just trying to find out the price. Now, let me ask you a question. I mean, all of us, every day in life, we face some choices that we have to make. Do we have a price? Do, do we have a price? You know, that's, a, that's kind of a get you question. Do you have a price in this area, in this area, in this area? Or is there a conviction to which you are so deeply committed that you wouldn't change for any price? Integrity means that you have some commitments that can't be bought. And that's where you are faithful to those commitments no matter what. That's why Micaiah was so important. He was convinced that integrity was more important than popularity, than position, than liberty, or than life itself. In a day when we have never been busier, or never had more appointments, the week at a glance, at a glance calendar helped us out in 1990. They added an hour to each day. Until then, they had started their day at 8 a.m. on the calendar. In 1990, they started appointments at 7 o'clock in the morning. Of course, they really didn't add any time to the day, but they did add that 7 to 8 slot throughout the year. Now, if you took the time in that slot and added it up, you would have two more weeks for appointments. We really cannot add hours to our day or years to our lives. For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. But what we can do is add life to our years. The best way to live life is to fill it, fill it up with integrity in this new year. That's right in front of us. I hope and pray that we'll all have the courage in the Lord to do that. Well, this morning, if there are some in the house that have been thinking, praying about uh, trusting Christ as their Lord and Savior, if you're here and you'd like to do that, the gist of it is you've got to confess your sin. Say, Father, please forgive me of the sin of my life. And you've got to place your faith and your trust in Christ is your Lord and Master. Maybe there's some here that have been coming for a while. You've been thinking about joining the church. We'd love to have you. The doors of the church are open. We want you to come and join with us and serve with us. Today, if there's other decisions that you want to make, uh, certainly uh, we'd want to hear those as well. Uh, you know, you can come and kneel here on these front pews. If the Lord leads, move to the aisle, move forward, take a stand for Jesus. He certainly has stood for you. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on any to come. Let's stand together as we sing.